Fine, this is Wayne's Power Minute. All right, now we're gonna look at parties. Party Hardy! I wanna know, when did party become a verb? Like, to party, we partied last night. Now, I think around 1972. Now, everybody has their own way of saying party. Like, my parents say party, and some people say parte, which is incredibly bogus. And some people say party, which is the right way to say it. Now, of course, there's political parties, like the Communist Party. I mean, what's that? Everyone shares one beer or vodka? Or the Conservative Party? Everyone goes home at 11 and no one gets drunk or pukes? Or the Liberal Party? Well, you get the general idea anyways. Now, I think a lot of the world's problems could be solved if we had one huge, major, humongous blowout. I mean, if we just go for it, you know what I mean? This is Wayne's Power Minute. All right! That's what's up then. Or if you got the whole day off and you're just like, you know, I'm just chill with Morty and the lounge people, you know. Or if you're at work and you're supposed to be working, you're just like, you know, I'm just going to chill with Morty. It's all good, baby. <laughs> Only one rule in here, and that is no dickheads allowed, okay? So, welcome back to the lounge, or welcome to the first time. If it is your first time, it is I, your buddy, the DJ, the MC, the selector, the general manager, a member of the Council of the Forest Dwellers, okay? I got a little bit of clout around this place. Call me magic. Because <laughs> I do things, you know, I make things happen. You know, I'm that guy, all right? So, let's get it popping right now. The thing we're gonna talk about first, okay? is the movie that we watched this morning while we were setting up the joint. 
you know, doing stuff that like needs to be done in the morning at a restaurant. Take the chairs off the tables, you know, tasting all the food. Is it all good? Do we need to order any stuff? Like people are polishing cutlery. People are, you know, getting the, all the chess pieces on the chessboard set up in the right order. We gotta check the uh, salinity of the water and the waterfall and make sure, you know, the uh, fish are gonna be okay. All these things. And while we do that, we put on a movie that everybody can pretty much see because it's pretty open uh, across the treehouse at the lounge here. And uh, yeah, and then we talk about it. And then uh, I talk about it. And so the movie you watched today was called It's the Little Things or <laughs> All the Little Things. <laughs> or it's I think it's it's I think it's the little things. Okay, talking fucking Denzel. Alright, Jared Leto and uh, Rami Malik. And I was like, oh this movie's gonna be bomb things that go on, no doubt, you know, and I watched it. And it was... Here's the thing. Here's the thing, people. I was like watching this movie. It's like 20 minutes in. I was like, I got the whole situation clocked, you know. And I'm just like, oh, I get it. It's the little things. Got no slow clues. And then at the end, I thought they were just going to be like, okay, yeah, it's basically like this. Exactly what Magic thought, you know. Uh, but they never said that at the end, okay. They never said anything. They allowed one to draw one's own conclusions based on the evidence that they gave. So that was neat, okay? I don't, you don't see that that often. I was just like, and so it was good because I was just like, man, I already got this flick figured out, you know what I'm saying? But then it turns out like I didn't. They M. Night Shyamalan lay on me, kind of, you know? And uh, so that was cool. And some of the outdoor photography was really great. And, um, hmm, what else can I say? It was a period piece, so they did a good job with, you know, having the right cars and everything. But you know what, people? Denzel's my man and all. I really like all three of these people, the, the main people in this movie. But I'm not going to recommend this movie, okay? I'm not going to. No gong of approval for the movie, okay? And it wasn't just me, because we all talked about it. Like, everybody at the lounge agreed. They were just like, nah, nah. It was close. It was close. Like, the whole Drake situation was, don't even get me, like, started. Don't even bring that up in the lounge, because if the the wrong crowd is here, like, that's what they're going to be talking about all night, you know? I wish I wouldn't even have brought that up. Mmm. Yeah. Even, like, you know, you guys don't even like Drake, you know? So... Anyways, moving on, let's go, go, go get into some music right now because we are in the good, 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 good G's, alright? G, letter G in the vinyl collection. We got the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's, the songs that we're going to play today are Treasures, the band, the Go-Go's. All the individual members are treasures, but the band The Go-Go's was ill-fated. Drugs, interpersonal relationships, fame, pressure, all that. (laughs) Played a big part in fucking this band up major. Okay, so 
I wonder how many people are like the Go-Go's, the Go-Go's. Yeah, I've heard of them. They're like Go-Go dancers. I know what a Go-Go dancer is, but it's like, do you really? Okay. Go-Go dancer has all her clothes on and is just dancing to the music. Creates atmosphere of, you know, dancing to music. <laughs> go-Go dancers wear Go-Go boots. The whiskey Go-Go on the Sunset Strip had Go-Go dancers in the 60s. That's where the doors were banned for life from. The Go-Go's were from Los Angeles. Belinda Carlisle, all these girls were part of the LA punk scene. The Whiskey A Go Go would have been a venue that would have been in the area that they were playing. So, Go Go, I think, has got to be an LA thing. So, that's where Magic thinks the name comes from, okay? But uh, I don't actually know. What I do know is that the band basically formed in 1978 in the 70s. A year after The Clash's first album came out and these girls were punk AF. All of them. They had diverse backgrounds but they were about the tunes and the scene and the shows and the attitude. Like I said, they all got fucked up often. They were about the drugs and sex and punk rock. Believe that Belinda Carlisle, who arguably, you know, the singer is usually the leader and she had the best solo career after, used to be, was briefly in seminal LA punk band, The Germs, who we've talked about before. And she was doing drugs with Darby Crash, who eventually overdosed. And the Go-Go's, when they started, they couldn't even play. They didn't even know their instruments really, but Belinda, from what I can gather, the story kind of starts with Belinda being asked to be in a band that became the Go-Go's, and then other members kind of got recruited in, and then they like learned their instruments. <laughs> it wasn't until uh, the drummer, Gina Shock, showed up who had some previous experience playing in bands that she was just like, uh, guys, you have to, we have to rehearse more than like twice a month if we ever want to be good. And apparently the people in the band were just like, oh, okay. Like they didn't even know. They had to have their frets marked out with tape, <laughs> you know? So for them to form in 1978 and then in 1979, 1980, be on a tour of the UK with uh, Madness and the specials and that crowd and Belinda's getting gobbed on every night, covered in spit, they said when they would come off the stage because they weren't respected at first by a large part of the UK punk crowd. They gathered a following by doing this tour, don't get me wrong, but it was like they were in it like that, okay? All-girl band in this scene where there were no all-girl bands that ever made it. These are the Go-Go's. Let's hear a song. Do you remember the opening scene to Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Cruising through the mall. Let's take it back to 1981. This is the debut album. This is the tune. This is the one that everyone's just like, oh man. I heard the song and like, I think I might have the beat. Whatever that is, you know? Then they're like, well, how did I get it? 
Oh, I was like, I guess I got it from the song, because here they are saying, we got the beat, we got the beat, we got the beat. Do you got the beat? Let me give it to you. Let's let the Go-Go's give it to us all. <laughs> understand pressed in 1981 <laughs> so that UK tour they did they came back from that in 1980 and then they got signed to IRS records the international record syndicate who we've talked about before pretty interesting label might talk about them later might not okay what is happening today I got another curveball for you this is the first time we're ever gonna compress two albums into one show. And I'll tell you why I'm doing this today, my friends. It's because of fucking record labels like 40 years ago. Through my research on this band, it has become very apparent that as usual, there was 
mega pressure on them to release another mega hit album or at least mega hit song for their second record which came out like a year and a half or two years after Beauty and the Beat which is the first one okay we got the beat was track one side one off of Beauty and the Beat which is um, you know the best possible way to start this record I also have Vacation which also was on on IRS but yeah came out in 1982 and that album has my second favorite go-go song Vacation also track one side one there's no mistake about that because while there was a couple other hits Our Lips Are Sealed Head Over Heels the Go-Go's released three albums with basically, in my opinion, only a handful of good songs. So, they were a pop band, and everyone was like, yeah, this is pop music, because it is. So the other tracks that I'm not going to be playing you, some of them I don't even like at all, okay? Because I'm just like, this is not my style, this is not my thing. I like that punk influence stuff. I like that fast stuff, you know, from their roots. <laughs> and I was reading today um, some music critic from the 80s was just like, oh yeah, like even though they're a pop band, you can hear like the punk influence of Belinda Carlisle. And I was just like, oh, this guy must have a multiple PhDs in music, you know, like what insightful analysis, you know, how did he ever put that together? <laughs> Anyways, let's listen to the second big one right now, because what a perfect time for everyone to take a vacation. We have endured a global pandemic for the first time in everyone on earth's lifetime not too many spanish flu people still alive all right so now we're vaccinated we're no longer at risk of death from covid19 even if we can't go out right now in our minds my friends it's time we're at the beach, we're on water skis, we're on a windsurf board, whatever we want, right? We are on vacation. Yay!
the main go-go's Belinda Carlisle, singer, Charlotte Caffrey, guitar, Gina Shock, drums, Kathy Valentine, bass, and Jane Whedon, I think guitar. Charlotte Caffrey wrote the song We Got the Beat. The song Vacation is credited to Valentine, Valentine Caffrey and Jane Whedon. But apparently that song was originally written by Valentine with her old band. And then by the time they needed to come up with a hit for their second record, they had to reach back. So that's what I'm saying, right? Like there wasn't enough time to produce enough content to make these albums strong, in my opinion, in my harsh opinion. So that's why you're getting uh, the two hits off the two big albums today. And I don't even have their third one. So that's Wagwan with that. What's Wagwan with the people in the band? Okay, let's see. Belinda started off on the scene. She had a punk name. It was Dottie Danger. I thought that was pretty cool. She was born to an 18-year-old mother, a homemaker. And her father was 20 years senior to her mother. And this guy worked at a gas station. And they moved around a bit because obviously they didn't have a lot of money if, uh, you know, the main source of income was wages from working at a gas station. On the other hand, Jane's father was a doctor. But the thing about L.A., from what I understand, okay, I haven't lived there, I've visited there, but there's so much suburban sprawl and... The Sunset Strip is closer to like, you know, Hollywood downtown, not downtown, but Hollywood area, which is a major, which is a mecca. There's a lot of clubs, It's kind of seedy some places too, right? But people would come to this area from all over the city, all neighborhoods in the city. The kids would come for the punk music because that's where the scene was. It was something that was being invented. And Jane says that they were basically all there from the jump, from the get-go, from the very beginning. They were teenagers at that time and this is where they hung out and this is what they were doing. So it was the music that brought them together. <laughs> but I think it was the drugs that tore them apart, man. I think they were all addicts. Belinda and Charlotte was the worst. For Belinda, it was cocaine, okay, the white stuff. She was doing a lot of Santa's sleigh. In fact, by the worst of it, apparently it was like a $200 a day habit. So let's see, let me do some calculations. Let's see what that would have been. You know what I'm talking about though, um, when I say cocaine, right? <laughs> like, well, you may have heard it referred to as icing, you know, or pearl. Uh, some people call it white mosquito. I'm just like, yo, stay away from the line, the nose candy, it'll fuck you up, you know, too much rail, snow, sneeze, speedball. Man, you know, you're gonna be fiending for the white rock, the blanca, the gold dust, the have a dust, you know, the big blow. You don't want that, ask Belinda, okay? Messed her up, man. You can ask Belinda, in fact. Everyone in this band is still alive, and Belinda went on after to become like very successful with her own solo career. In fact, I remember being in the car with my mom in the 80s 
And Belinda's track Circle in the Sand was getting some pretty heavy radio play at that time. And my mom was like, I love this song. And I was like, oh, you love this song? Why don't you marry it? You know, and then laughed hysterically because I was like, that's the funniest joke. (laughs) But yeah, there was other struggles in the band. Like I said, for Charlotte, it was H, man. Horse, heroin, Mexican tar, like mainlining, totally addicted all the time with the skag, you know, junk, smack. She's like, where's the white boy? Pass me the Mexican brown, the Mexican horse, the skunk. Number three, garage door, you know, give me the big tree, the scat, the skunk, whatever it is. I'll take brown, I'll take the rind, I'll take the girl stuff, I'll take the chiba, I'll take the black stuff, you know, I'll take the black pearl, whatever it is. She's like, pass it to me, I'll do it. Skin pop it, snort it, mainline, whatever she needed to do to get high, she was doing, you know what I'm saying? And that will eventually destroy your life, you know what I'm saying? No doubt about it. So, you know, the, their members, like, they've reunited and, like, it's all good. They keep squashing the beefs. Um, but, yeah, most of them and Belinda even are just like, yeah, kind of, I, like, didn't expect to be alive, you know? I'm just like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Not happens. <laughs> Check this out, though. Jane Whedon played Joan of Arc in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I was just like... And another thing that I liked hearing was that Belinda said when she was, you know, young, she was in the record store and she saw the cover of the Stooges Raw Power album with uh, Iggy and she was just mesmerized and she's like, what is this stuff? So she picked it up and she said that album opened her up to the whole new world of music that uh, you know it opened the door for so i thought that was pretty cool the artwork on the albums is pretty cool too i think you should check it out it's probably the first one beauty and the beat it's all the girls in like makeup or like i don't know in states of preparation with like face masks and towels they're in towels basically okay they're in towels and then on the second album they're all like their faces are superimposed onto some images from the 60s of like water ski teams you know which is pretty fun and on the back they're just like all doing their things in the bubble bath so really friendly stuff you know like i'm sure when the times were good they had a good time together but they weren't always good of course but anyways uh yeah so i'm not gonna play our lips are sealed because everybody knows that song and i'm just like it's too slow anyways you know what i'm saying (laughs) but i will say that it was also cool that um i was talking to my friend andy yesterday and she was like no i don't think you ever talked about the story with your bad friend chris renting the movie the great white hype so here it is real quick it's like this that movie i think it came out in like 96 so i was like 13 years old and when i was 12 i was in the video store and i was like mom i want to rent predator and she was just like let me see this thing and i was just like ah you know and then she's like it's rated r it's restricted you gotta be 18 to watch this i'm like mom those aren't serious numbers you know for like not you know preventing kids from watching movies and she's like get out of here And so uh, I wasn't able to rent Predator that day. And then like one year later, I really wanted to see the movie, The Great White Hype, the boxing movie, man. It had Samuel L., Peter Berg, 
fucking Jeff Goldblum, um, Jamie Foxx, you know, John Lovitz. Excellent movie, excellent cast. It's really funny. And uh, I was with Chris, and I was just like, ah, but, you know, no dice for us. It's rated R. And he's just like, so? And I'm just like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know. Like, obviously, I want to see it. I don't, I like that it's rated R, but they're never going to let us rent it. And he's just like, he's like, I bet you they will. And I was just like, I bet you they won't. And he's like, I bet you they will. And I was like, all right, man, if you can get them to rent us this R-rated movie to our, like, 13-year-old asses, (laughs) I'll pay for it. I'll pay the five bucks. So we went up to the counter, our two 13-year-old selves, and uh, we're like, put the one movie, slammed it down, you know, and the guy, the guy, like this teenage guy who was like full adult to us, was just like, how old are you? To Chris, like who was obviously doing the talking and Chris was like 18. And then the guy was like, okay. <laughs> and he ranted it to us. And we went to Chris's house and watched it. It was fucking awesome. That's what I'm talking about, man. That was juice. I was just like, geez, all you gotta do is just lie, you know, and back it up. Christ, imagine, like, obviously this teenage guy at the counter thought this shit was hilarious, right? You know, like, or maybe he fucking believed him, I don't know. Anyways, friends, think about that, alright? Think about that as you go about the rest of your day. But remember to bring it back here in about 24 hours, because I'm going to be here again. Ham, we got Toothpick, we got Soso. We got Mona, you know, Therese is usually here um, during the day. Yeah, it's cool. So uh, we got more G's for you, my G's. So uh, bring it back and it'll be all G, okay? That's it for me, for real. I will say peace. I will say I will see you tomorrow. Peace, y'all. Peace. Peace.